0: everyone and a very warm welcome to another episode in the menopause the good the bad and the downright sweaty with me diane dansebrink and my lovely co-host sophie claus hello lovelies uh so today we were going to talk to you about our hashtag make menopause matter campaign um and that was always our plan, <laughs> but Sophie and I have both had quite tricky weeks on Blooming our awful weeks <laughs> <laughs> on our menopause journeys. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a really dark week, I think, for both of
0: us. Yeah, we've had a couple of phone calls during the week, haven't we? And
1: yes, and a lot of tears, etc.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I think I mean I'm I'm sort of I'm further down the road than you are Mm -hmm. as far as you know sort of my HRT is concerned and I'm several years post-surgery etc but I think you know I said to you earlier in the week how shocked I was at well a that I forgot to change my patch in the first place (laughs) but bank holidays really mess up my week they
1: do i didn't know if i was coming or going
0: (laughs) so i always change my patch on a monday morning and a thursday night okay so on tuesday i was kind of i was feeling quite tired actually quite lethargic actually quite cold and it wasn't a cold day and I'd started to develop this sort of you know when you get butterflies in your tummy that kind of sick feeling you're nervous yeah but kind of out of nowhere Mm. and it sort of came on during the late morning and I sat with it for a while and thought oh well it'll go away and it didn't and it sort of started to feel worse and I was starting to feel really shaky And eventually, towards the end of the day, it was about 6 o'clock, Martin said, shall we walk the dogs? And I thought, oh, yeah, let's walk the dogs. Maybe I'll feel a bit better. And while we were walking, I suddenly said to him, what day is it? And he said, it's Tuesday. And it was Tuesday, and it had gone 6 o'clock. So I was like 36 hours past changing my patch. But it was only then that I realised, and it was such a massive relief, that... There was a reason why, why I was like, feeling, yeah. but it was also really shocking that I was only thirty-six hours past when I should have changed my patch, which we know they only have kind of three or four days, mm-hmm. you know, kind of estradiol in them, estrogen. Um, I was really shocked that several years post surgery, it still had it that made huge impact. that amount of difference, and it was, you know, that feeling of. That kind of sickened feeling in my stomach um, and not really feeling my normal self Mm -hmm. took me right back to those horrible dark days that I'd had. Um, And then so to get your message um, and to see your video on Instagram um, earlier in the week was like, oh, my goodness, you know, I know exactly what this feels like. You must have felt really emotional
1: having that kind of flashback to the dark times. Oh, it made where, me quite
0: teary. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I
1: it think, really did. It makes you realise just how important HRT is and how crucial it is to yeah to your well-being. Yeah, well being. Yeah, I mean, obviously not for everyone. No,
0: I mean, absolutely. You. you know, we've said before, haven't we? It's personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I sound like a broken record, but I really genuinely believe that that choice should be based on factual. Up to date, evidence based information, not on newspaper headlines or the opinion of the somebody media. else yeah. or even people, you know, kind of um, around you that yeah. might not have that factual, up to date information.
1: But the decision should be based solely on the information that you've sought out or been given, and no one else's opinion or take on it should, should pay a part in someone deciding what's best for them. Yeah, because Just it's Because so your great aunt, aunt Gertrude didn't like HRT yeah. doesn't mean that you shouldn't explore those
0: options. Well, and look at me, you know, kind of, mm. I had such minimal information that at a time in my life when it shouldn't really have been a question, mm. you know, I should have, I should have been prescribed it um, because of my out, because of the, you know, the outdated info I had and nobody giving me any new info, you know, I got into I got into a, a pretty big pickle because of it. Which ultimately led to you feeling that you didn't want to be alive at certain points. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I do think it's, as I say, it sounds like, you know, kind of, I repeat the same thing on a regular basis, which I do. I,
1: I think we both do, but it's just because we really strongly believe it, that everyone should be given a choice. Everyone should be given up to date options and information um so they can make that informed
0: decision. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And not be railroaded into a certain way of doing things. And
0: I think it's also I think it's also quite um scary that it hasn't happened yet. In twenty nineteen
1: that yeah. we're still just having to fight.
0: You know, it would be like I don't know, it would be like somebody who has um a thyroid condition. Having to go out there and sort of wade through information about what it is they can do when diabetes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and I know that there are, you know, sort of, I know that there are, you know, some people that with certain types of diabetes in certain ways can help it with diet, etc., and that's all great and fabulous. But if you're missing something, or you've got too much or too little of something. Then actually, if there is a first line treatment that's recommended by, you know, the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, then that should be something that people know about. Mm -hmm. And then they can decide for themselves. But anyway, lovely, back to you. Because you've had a bit of a tough time this week, haven't you? I
1: have. So, as mentioned on the introduction, I have an oestrogen and
0: testosterone pellet in situ. So your pellet is an implant, isn't it? So where I have a patch, mm-hmm. or other people might have a gel, you have an implant which lasts... It lasts ...for six a months. period of months? Okay.
1: Yes. So I had my first pellet put in in October. Mm-hmm because it was the first one they replaced it after three months um and so i had the this one put in in january the reason i have a pellet because it's actually a fourth line hrt treatment yeah is because i do not um my body does not absorb transdermal hrt so i tried the patches and the gel and my blood test showed that my levels were very low and Mm -hmm. i was still experiencing quite extreme uh, menopause symptoms
0: so for anybody that hasn't sort of heard one of our pods before um sophie is very much younger than me (laughs) at 33 and experienced a surgical menopause so removal of your ovaries puts you into immediate surgical menopause um i'm now 52 and i had the same surgery um seven years ago so i'm sort of quite a lot further down the road than you but i'm also significantly
1: older (laughs) You don't look it. <laughs> Honestly, guys, Diane does not look her. I love at her. All. <laughs> For me, I think this the last few weeks, it's been about six weeks now that I've noticed. Um, so when was your last involved. pellet put in, honey? That was January. Right, okay. So throughout kind of February and March, I'd say, I felt brilliant. Yeah. I really felt like my levels were great. I wasn't having any symptoms definitely my cognitive function had like improved dramatically. Yeah. I felt like I was ruling the world a bit at work. Mm. And I remember
0: you saying to me, you know, kind of how you could multitask again and how amazing that was. Maybe I got a
1: bit too fancy pants
0: about it. (laughs) And it's now just
1: come back to slap me in the face. But, um, and the last few weeks I just noticed things starting to creep back in again. So, I mean, the first thing was I started having hot flushes again. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, I, I've, I've just always found them really mortifying. Yeah. Um, I wear makeup and my, my whole face just slides off, yeah. and you're like scraping it off the floor. Mm. Um, but the biggest thing has been my mood yeah. and my anxiety yeah. and my cognitive function. Um, I'm having to, I do, lo- I do make lists and things anyway, but I'm having to write down everything. And I'm having conversations with people and completely forgetting anything they've said and mm. um, it's like groundhog day a bit and when you're trying to be in a relationship and manage a home life and your work life especially mm. it is really humiliating and you've got
0: children too, and I've got my you? girls yeah. yeah
1: and you know they're like, oh mum we told you this about school with our cooking or PE and I'm thinking dude I've got out of bed and brushed my hair today I'm proud of that like
0: I've done good That is work. the best of
1: my ability. Yeah. It was like recently, one example is I was ironing and I was yeah. going to Stephen.
0: You were doing what? Oh, yeah, precisely. <laughs> Bane <Besides,
1: laughs> of my life. I was going, this iron is bloody awful. It's not working. And he was going... So if it's switched on, I was like, don't you dare patronise me. I'm 33 years old. Of course it's switched on. Well, it wasn't. the plug wasn't even in the wall. I knew
0: you were going to say that.
1: And it's just stuff like that, that I can laugh about it and have a giggle. But when you're
0: short of time... It's not funny at the time either, is it?
1: No, I just think, I'm 33 years old and I do feel like I'm 80. Yeah. And I think what's made me particularly feeling down and tearful this time is because I did get that glimpse of me again yeah. the first in a, over a year yeah of where I felt like wow actually okay I think I'm improving mm. and then I've just gone downhill so rapidly and what is the most frustrating is I've asked for help I've asked for help several times and, who, and I'm not getting where it.
0: where have you kind of directed that to lovely is that
1: so I, well, at the same, on the same day, I contacted my GP. Right. And said, could you please run some blood tests? Yes Because that's what I'd been told by my menopause um, specialist yep. at, the, at the hospital. And have they done that? They have. And it showed that my estrogen levels are low.
0: Ah. so So I do ran, you think you're running through, do you think you're kind of, cracking through your your implant really quickly i think my body's gobbling it up ah. and they
1: do say that commonly women in their 30s need you a need much more, higher you need dose. much higher yeah but then when you i mean i know of bag, women
0: who are on kind of 200 and 250 micrograms um which in is patches lot. um but you know if they if they need that they need that if and that's, i think
1: that's what i need yeah um and so my GP gate got the results, said, Yes, your estrogen's low, I do think you probably need a higher dose. Yeah. Rang the hospital who've been the ones that have put the pellets in mm. and they they just said, Oh, nope, doesn't seem low. Um, you should go back to your GP. I think it's to do with your thyroid, even though my blood tests have shown that my thyroid is fine. And it's this constant going back and forth yeah um, especially with the hospital you don't get to speak to anyone you have to leave a voicemail right and they've not returned any of the calls oh. i mean i've only called three times because i don't want to bombard um yeah i know but
0: when you're feeling desperate and i this that's... week
1: on wednesday i felt i felt awfully desperate yeah it just got to the point where um, sorry i'm getting choked up i've I just thought, I don't know how long I can sustain this, just keep going and going and going when I'm not sleeping and I've got all the pressure of work and I can't take time off because I don't get paid and we're moving house soon as well. Mm. Um, And just how much I just don't feel like myself again. Like, I look in the mirror some days and I just... I feel so distant. It's like it's a stranger looking back. And I just feel like I'm losing... people around me are potentially losing patience because you know I keep backing out of things and not wanting to go out oh
0: I yeah I mean I I can really you know kind of I can really resonate with that I mean I think I said to you before you know I became completely Mm non-functioning um at my very worst and I would not see anybody I wouldn't go anywhere I wouldn't leave the house I wouldn't open post etc 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 but I think the difference for you is that you've now seen a kind of a glimmer of the Sophie that you were Mm -hmm. before all this and that Sounds to me as though that's even more frustrating, and I know that I would feel like that.
1: It gave me hope, yeah. And then I just feel like it's just, and being we all ripped need away. that, don't we? Yeah, you'll you will need that little glimmer of hope and that kind of push, you know, with you when you were in your really, really dark time, yeah, and you had your mum and um, Martin around. I guess they were probably saying to you, like, this will get better, and yeah, you know, we're right behind you and we're with you every step of the way. All those and things, yeah. I just, I just feel like now. I'm just getting really impatient with it because I know the help is there Mm. and it shouldn't be so difficult. And what I want someone somewhere to do is actually, this is a 33-year-old. My career has already been impacted. I've had to go part-time. I had to take a step down. I can't be taking time off Mm. or being at work and being completely dazed and Mm. confused and forgetful. Um, My boss actually said to me this week that I can see you, Sophie, but you're not here. And he said it Gosh, in a nice way. how interesting.
0: Mm. How interesting that he could see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's interesting that you say that he said it in a nice way. That sounds as though He's they're lovely. being very supportive.
1: They are, and I, I'm lucky that since this has all happened to me, with the surgical menopause, my work have taken it among themselves to go to Menopause in the Workplace events oh, and actually oh, do, some, do some info. And I think they're actually going to introduce the Menopause in the Workplace initiative. Superb. Um, which I spoke to you about. Didn't yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's that's reassuring, and I think they are giving me a lot of understanding. Um, but for me, it's why the Make Menopause Matter campaign is so important <laughs> because it's... In 2019, or, or ever actually, it should never be a struggle for women to just get the right help in the right time, accurate information, and it, it just shouldn't be hard. Well,
0: particularly when it's something that, okay, we know that menopause is a very, very individual experience, and that some women have no symptoms And some women have lots of symptoms and women like you and I experience surgical. Some women experience a medical menopause, et cetera, et cetera. We know there are women who experience a very early menopause. Um, But especially when at some time in their lives, to whatever degree, it is going to affect every woman. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, sort of it's not something that comes up one in a million It's something that's going to come up literally every day. Every second of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, you say in 2019, um, so that was kind of my starting point, really, not that I started the campaign in 2012, but as I've said to you before, you know, sort of in one of my really desperate moments when I finally made myself pick up the phone and call the doctors and they said, you know, there's no there's no support, doesn't matter how far you travel, doesn't matter what you spend, there isn't a kind of support service. Just what you want and, to hear. Yeah, absolutely, when you're really, really desperate. Um, and I yeah, I said to you, you know, I remember putting the phone down and saying to my husband, once I'd finished sobbing, if I ever feel like me again, I'm going to make damn sure I change this. And that was absolutely that moment. But it's taken me a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's taken me, you know, I only started menopause support four years ago um I started the campaign last October it's October 2018 October 2018 yeah and so you know it's for me personally it probably took me about three years to really feel like myself again um and to have the energy to be able to think about doing anything outside of my normal daily activities, you know, work and home life and animals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But for me to then think, okay, now I'm ready to take this on. Um, But I think, you know, you're absolutely right. How can it possibly be in this day and age that women are struggling to get advice and support about something which is, for the majority, um, a natural process. Mm. You know, some of us get thrown into it earlier, um, but it is, by and large, a natural process. But just because it's natural doesn't mean it's easy.
1: What are there statistics about the amount of women who would find menopause difficult?
0: Um, Yeah, so um, approximately one in four Describe their symptoms as debilitating. So it's a really high percentage of people, yeah, so severely affecting their quality of life, and that's a really interesting correlations with some of the surveys that we've seen about women and work, because approximately one in four women consider leaving work because of their symptoms. So So coincidental, I think uh, not. (laughs) Indeed. So you know, if you think about it, um, so for me that completely makes sense. Mm -hmm. So. You know, if we look at it from a personal health and well-being point of view, um, we know that 75% of women experience symptoms. Um, we know that a lot of them have got no idea in the early stages about what's going on for them. So for me, I think if we did really simple things, so the three campaign aims essentially are one, one, is to ensure that all doctors have education, mandatory education, about menopause. So, you know, sort of in undergraduate study, all doctors should have an understanding of what menopause is, when it happens, you know, what the symptoms are Mm -hmm. and what the management of that is.
1: Because isn't the the menopause training at the moment minimal?
0: Uh, in some places, non-existent. It's so a completely non-existent. For yeah. Some so some doctors, GP. some doctors will go through their entire, their entire um, training and ha- have absolutely no training in menopause whatsoever. Even though it happens. Even though it happens every to every single woman, woman. Yeah. And that is just ridiculous. <laughs> so you know, so it's common sense, isn't it? Mm. Simply because. It affects personal health and well-being. Obviously, it affects women in the workplace. Obviously, it fe- affects relationships. You know, I see that on a daily basis in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of either counselling or supporting women through the um, Menopause Support Network. Mm-hmm. Um w- women talking about, you know, sort of relationships breaking down or struggling with relationships because of a lack of understanding. So that, you know, I also think it would make a huge amount of sense if all of us, probably, you know, coming towards the end of our school career, probably in our teens, Mm -hmm. um, we learnt a little bit about menopause. Oh, definitely, because those children in school, their
1: mum, their sisters... Yep. Their grandmother could all yep. be going through menopause. Family, friends. It should be put in with talking about periods and contraception, and
0: yeah, yeah. And, I just, I just. And think, it never has been. Yeah, and if we all had a bit more understanding as we grow up and get into relationships, whether that's personal relationships, whether that's relationships with colleagues, with friends, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera, I just think a greater understanding would be better for all of us. Um, and the third aim is to have guidance, official guidance in every workplace. Because at the moment there is no, as there is with pregnancy, so there is Mm. a national pregnancy uh, maternity policy, Mm. Um, there's nothing for menopause. There needs to be a menopause policy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because too many many women leave the workplace because of their symptoms and too many organisations lose... Valuable members of staff because of it. So there's a there's a personal financial impact mm. as well as an, an emotional impact for that woman and her family. But there's also um, an impact for the organisation because all that knowledge can just disappear. Absolutely. All that experience can just go out of the door. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, these are they're really common sense things. They're all win wins, and they would save. You know, sort of, they'd they'd save a lot of, um, they'd save a lot of trauma, and upset for the and loss of personal health for the individual woman. They'd save a lot of relationships, I believe. I think so. Um, There would be a huge saving for the NHS because currently women are going for five, six, seven, eight appointments to deal with their menopause symptoms. So if they've got a handful of symptoms, they're going with each one separately. If they're not being recognized as menopause, they just take up more and more doctor's appointments. Some of those women are then being referred on to secondary services. If they've got palpitations, they're referred to cardiology. I read, I read about how
1: many women get referred yeah. to
0: cardiology because of palpitations. Exactly. And it's
1: really, really high. Absolutely. And actually, most of the time, it's just because they their
0: lack of estrogen yeah. is
1: causing them. Yeah, rheumatology
0: for their joints. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for me, because, you know, because of a lot of what I do is around mental health and well-being, um, for me, the scariest ones are the ones that get referred to psychiatrists. And um, get given antipsychotics and sedatives. Yeah, and, you and know, sort organs. of all sorts of diagnoses mm-hmm. for things that are actually related to, well, you will know, you know, having Menopause. been somebody that struggled with PMDD, Um, how that can affect how the psychological effect that that can have oh it's huge so again you know i think a greater understanding would lead to better health and well-being and also save a huge amount of money and stress mm-hmm. all around i think it's a i think it's a, a it's a no-brainer yeah it? it
1: really is <laughs> so where can people find the petition and sign
0: um so um if you go to my website which is menopause um the first thing that you'll come across is there is a banner on the page which will urge you to go and have a look at the campaign have a read through it and if you agree with it to sign it that would be great
1: and also to share on social media yeah absolutely make menopause matter hashtag
0: make menopause matter on twitter um yeah absolutely
1: And so what's next for the petition and the campaign?
0: So what's next, so currently, so you know we've just had um, the BBC Breakfast sort of menopause campaign, BBC Menopause. Um, So I think we had just under, I think we had just under 20,000 signatures So we got, no, we just had just under 19. And within about five days of it being featured on BBC Breakfast, we had 3,000 extra signatures. So we're now, I think, just under um, 23,000, which is great. Um, But we want to
1: make it more. (laughs) Yeah, we absolutely
0: want to make it more. You know, we're a population of 67 million and menopause might affect half of that population you know sort of directly but indirectly it affects us all so if you sign it please share it as well yeah absolutely um so what's next for it so we had a meeting in january in parliament with the mp rachel mclean who's very supportive of the campaign aims Um, and that was chaired by jackie doyle price um, from the health department Um, Which was fantastic. And she went away with a whole list of things to look into. Um, We are hoping to have another meeting in the not too distant future to find out what's come out of that. Um, But we're definitely starting to see some kind of inroads in the workplace. You know, I certainly go into the workplace to deliver presentations and training um, quite a lot and that's happening I'm getting more and more requests for that so you can see the change Um, but ideally in an ideal world I want to go away and write a book and not do that because I don't want there to have to be training because I want for there to be an awareness and a policy that everybody Mm recognises so you know um, whilst I love what I do I would love a world where it doesn't need to happen Um, so that's all looking good I know that there have been um, approaches around getting it into the curriculum so you know I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow but I know the conversation has started which is brilliant Um, and I know that there is quite a lot of work going on around tools and you know sort of useful forms and things that gps could use as quick reference mm-hmm. um so i again i had another meeting in january with representatives from the royal college of gps royal college of obs and Gynaecologists, and the british menopause society i think the difficulty for me is that i'm an impatient person and i support a group of seven thousand women through the network Um, I see and speak to a lot of women every day. Um, For me, I want it to happen yesterday.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. (laughs)
0: Um, Because I, I find it, you know, you said right at the beginning, it's 2019. And I find it really difficult to understand that such common sense initiatives, nobody's ever grasped the nettle and said... How can it be that this is going on? We need to do this. I think the amazing thing and the thing that, you know, I was quite slow to social media because, you know, I had a busy life anyway. (laughs) Had a lot. (laughs) Um, But I think the amazing thing that social media has done is it has brought together a really passionate group of, I'm going to say women. I think there's an awful lot of passionate men who are backing up Mm -hmm. those women. Um, but a very passionate group of women who basically are not going anywhere anytime soon. No. A Um, lot of women
1: that are very frustrated
0: and want to
1: use that frustration to change it and make it better. Yeah,
0: and I think that's a really positive thing is because Mm. we're using that frustration to turn it into something positive, to raise our voices, to actually do something, get something going, so that your daughters are not going to have the experience that women today are having um that's you know kind of ideally for me that's where we're going brilliant
1: so to sign it you can go on to menopause support.co.uk yep. and it will flash up and then if you do sign it please do remember to share it as well
0: yeah we would love you deeply pretty please with a cherry on top
1: <laughs> um, if you would like to contact us you can contact us on hello menopause podcast at, um, at hotmail.com yeah Um, And you'll also find us on Instagram, the Menopause Podcast.
0: Um, Until next time. We will see you next time. Well, we won't see you, but you'll hear us next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.